0: This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you, EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. All right, guys, it's time for another episode of the Tesla Owners Online show. I want to say thank you for everybody for joining in. I am joined by my usual guests, Ian and Eric. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing very fine. Thank you very much. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Now, this show has been a long time coming, uh, something I've been wanting to do for quite some time, but, you know, everybody's schedules get in the way. But I want to welcome Ryan McCaffrey on the show. We finally got a chance to get Ryan on the show. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ryan is the host of the Ride the Lightning unofficial Tesla podcast, which I've been a longtime listener right from the beginning. And uh, he also has a day job, of course, because we all do. But uh, anyway, so Ryan, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Good to see you guys. Yes. Yeah, so all you had to do was ask. I'm just I'm not one to say like, hey, let me come on your show. It's like if you ask, sure, maybe. But, you know, I'm uh, I'm self. I'm not one for self-promotion. So it's, <laughs> you just had you just have to ask a, a, a guy wants to be, you know, wants to be woo- wooed a little bit. So I, I, I appreciate
0: And it. I totally understand that. But we were and really it's almost s-
2: Valentine's Day. So we exactly. picked a great time to come on. And we're super appreciative of your time.
0: And we're super appreciative of your time. I know how much work goes into your podcast because that's the one thing I really take from your podcast is the sheer amount of dedication and work you put into that thing. So, you know, congratulations, buddy. I mean, hats off to you.
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, some would call it dedication. Some would call it insanity. But it's working (laughs) for me. So (laughs)
0: Well, we all do our own thing, and we all bring our own little mix to the whole Tesla universe, which is kind of fun to talk about. Um, I thought I would take this opportunity today and just spend the time on you. We're not really going to do a lot of Tesla stuff, other than the fact that, you know, Elon was just on the uh, Joe Rogan podcast, which I had a chance to listen to all f- three hours of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, how many times has he been on the podcast? Like three times now? Uh, this is his
1: third time on, mm-hmm. by, I believe. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I have
0: to say, this was the best one ever. This one by far. Yeah, it was really good. It was so much fun.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I only got about about 15 minutes into it. uh, So I've got to still got to listen to the rest. But yeah, Joe, Joe had dropping episodes on Thursdays, which is like about when I've wrapped up pre production on my podcast every week. So (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be able to get it all digested for this week's episode. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, Elon really. I mean, you know, there's no weed involved in this one, but there's certainly some imbibing of some <laughs> um, some liquor. And uh, about two minutes and seven, two hours and seven minutes into it, it really starts. I mean, re- Elon really drops some bombs and it's, it's really quite funny. Australian story. Yeah. It's, (laughs) you'll know when you get to it, it's, it's really quite funny. Um, Not too much information. I mean, for those of us who've been watching Joe Rogan, listening to, to Elon, uh, we kind of know the drill. I'm actually quite surprised that Joe, Wasn't didn't even know about what SpaceX was really doing. Like he he basically alluded he'd never seen any of the rockets land before, which I thought was rather
3: the weirdest thing they were doing. Kind of this, Um, both I was astonished Joe had never seen a Falcon Nine booster land, and I was equally mystified how Elon really didn't seem to know anything about all of the the big UFO stories that have been making, you know, the rounds, especially on Joe's show the last few years, you know, with the Tic Tac and the Go Fast and all that stuff. Commander Fravor, who's been with Lex Friedman. I mean, this has been headline news in New York times. And he was like, Oh, you know, like Elon has been so like aliens aren't out there. Trust me. I would know, you know, he's got his little joke (laughs) and he, he drops it on the show and he was just, I think quite mystified by that. I would love to see him sit down and watch like Lex really goes at it with, with, uh, with Commander Fravor there for the better part of four hours. And they had a great conversation. I would love to get his take after seeing all this evidence. Cause I think it'd be uh-huh. fascinating. I don't think he, he knows, but yeah, the two of them kind of doing that, like you don't know about my rockets. You don't <laughs> know about aliens. I was like,
0: Whoa, okay. Well, we could certainly throw him some books. I think Elon has an excuse. He's just too damn busy. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Not it's even. understandable. Anyways, highly recommend it. Uh, we won't spend much time on that. We want to get right down to Ryan. So the the reason um, I, I wanted to do this is to give everybody an opportunity. Now, we know that we have some listeners out there who've obviously listened to your show, Ryan. I've been a long-time listener myself. But I don't think there's quite enough time... Um, in 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 most people who've actually done interviews or or not so much uh, if to, to give you the floor to talk about you now i i know in your podcast you've talked about your interest in tesla and stuff but i think we'd like to begin with the show and learn more about ryan the man like where where like where are you from where did you live where did you go to school uh, what's your education background, and then, then we'll get into the Tesla stuff. So maybe you can just fill in a little bit about uh, about yourself.
1: Oh, sure. So I'm originally from New Jersey, uh, part of a big family. My mother is one of seven kids, big Catholic family. So they're always like great relationship with tons of aunts and uncles around. And they, they all grew up in New Jersey. And, uh, and when I was in grade school, they, they kind of all collectively decided they'd had enough of the Jersey winters. <laughs> and so they they all headed west and a group of them went to Vegas, uh, a group and then a group went to Arizona. And I was in the Arizona group. And and uh, so I mostly grew up in Arizona, but I still very much have fond memories and, and still family in New Jersey. So I still very much consider that home as well. But uh, but yeah, you know, I I've been a car guy my whole life, my I remember my my dad used to bring home on, on what felt like it in like in my mind's eye it was every night But it, I'm sure it was something like once every week, maybe once every paycheck or something He would bring me home a matchbox or Hot Wheels car from nah. I guess he'd stop at the store on his way home <laughs> and I had just i had amassed this hope chest full of Matchbox and Hot Wheels cars that I used to just play with for hours in our basement in New Jersey and, and I just, I always loved cars. Even as a little kid, I would sit in the backseat, you know, and I could identify like every car and even my parents couldn't mm-hmm. cause they weren't car people, but I would just, I knew every single car from the Hot Wheels cars, right? Cause I just had so many of them that I knew what all the cars were. Did you have the tracks and, too? Uh, I'm sure there were a few, I don't have like a vivid memory of like one of the loop tracks or something, mm-hmm. but I, I'm sure there was stuff like that in there. And then that kind of moved on uh, so I'm I'm 40, so I'm kind of the right age where when I was, I don't know, maybe like 9, 10, somewhere in there, uh, the micro machines started becoming really popular, which were just super tiny versions of of Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars. And those, there were definitely play sets for those. And I, again, hours I would spend with them, just letting the imagination run wild and driving the cars all over the place. And just always loved cars, and and that... Um, the ultimate manifestation of that was when I saw back to the future as a kid you know a lot of, I'm far wow. from the only one at my age but you know that was the first time I'd seen a Delorean and it would not be the last and it just I I you know that car just I was like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen <laughs> and so that kind of just got filed away in my head and and over time yeah just growing up in, in, in mostly in Arizona there and and when I turned, 16, which is the driver's license age in, in Arizona. I, this was, that was also, so that would have been 96. Uh, that's right when the internet started to kind of become a a bigger and bigger deal. I know to a lot of your listeners, you're like, they're like, what, what are you talking about? The internet's always like, no, no, (laughs) my first modem was a 14, four baud modem. I'm not quite, I'm a little too young for like, you know, 9,600 or or earlier Baud modems, but fourteen <laughs> four, was where I came in, and you know you, you, you get to go to the dial-up service, and um, yeah, so I started. I, I, I turned sixteen, and, and there was just this thought that went off in my head of, well, let me look into Deloreans. Like I've got a license now. What's what's the deal with these things? And I came to learn that, at, especially at that point in time, you know the the company went under in eighty two. They in 96, there were values were pretty low on DeLoreans. You could get a decent, a decent running DeLorean in like the high teens price wise, Hmm. Uh, American dollars here. I know I'm talking to some Canadians, but, um, so I kind of, my brain started going at that point. I was like, well, that's not like, that's kind of attainable. So, so I sort of filed it away and, uh, and over time just started, kind of putting pieces together i was i always did well in school so i got a i was able to get a full ride scholarship uh for academically and uh and so yeah at some point i managed to well not at some point it was after my freshman year of college i convinced my parents that they could they should co-sign a loan for me to get a DeLorean and i you know have get a job to make the payments and somehow they went along with that i don't know why cuz that <laughs> on paper that's a terrible idea just you want to buy a an orphaned car that's at that point 18 years old but uh and and there's you know i found one good shop in town they were a volvo dealership uh, excuse me a volvo uh third-party volvo service shop and the delorean has a volvo sourced motor in it and uh and so well i can get it serviced here and, and it was only like three miles from our house it was actually really close and Somehow they went along with it, and I, I bought a DeLorean and, uh, like, had my dream car when I'm turning... I was actually still 18, turning 19. And, uh, and yeah, just... I, I sort of fell in love with the story of DeLorean as much as the car. You know, here was this, here was this guy, John DeLorean, who'd, who'd risen through the ranks at GM uh, and, you know, had all these big, bold ideas. Now, John DeLorean, if you don't know, uh, was, he is the father of the muscle car era. The GTO, that's John DeLorean. That's a John DeLorean joint right there. So, he starts throwing these giant motors in these kind of everyday cars at GM, and they start selling. Even it, you know, and the, the the brass has you know they kind of are clueless with it, but he starts he, you know he starts gaining some uh, some equity basically in the company with all with these these cars that he's making, and eventually he becomes the head of Pontiac. And eventually he decides, you know what, these guys are just doing boring stuff. I'm, I, And it's just kind of the, you know, planned obsolescence in the, They're in the late 70s. It's like, he's, so he decided, I'm out. You know, he he goes off and starts his own company uh, and, you know, makes a car that's a stainless steel car, which I know we're going to circle back to because it's just funny how history has come around to repeat itself here, uh, oddly with Tesla, the other car that I'm in love with. But, uh, you know, the... It, the idea was that the the DeLoreans had twenty five year body warranties on them from the factory. Of course, wow. the company didn't last long enough to honor those warranties, but the idea was uh, a car that would would outlive its owner. And it was sleek and it was elegant. And the the only thing it wasn't was fast. It uh, you know this was coming off the gas crisis in the late seventies. They needed something uh, a economical and b that would fit. They didn't. They, they the all again kind of Tesla like. Delorean went from they went from a cow pasture in Northern Ireland to producing cars in eighteen months. Which you know by that's fast now. I mean Tesla is pulling that off now and even better. You know they're doing twelve months. Uh, but but back then you know in the early eighties that's insane. It's unheard of. So. Uh, yeah, just you know, a lot of these bizarre little, just these interesting things about the history of DeLorean, and and ultimately I came to, uh, I, I was married young, divorced, that sucked, uh, ended up remarried and uh, and had had our daughter, and and we were able to, with some help from her parents, buy a house here in San Francisco, which. If, everything oh everything you've heard about San Francisco prices and cost of living is true everything it's nuts here no one should live here um, <laughs> for that reason it's it's wild I mean, it is believe me it's a beautiful city and i'm oh, yeah. very grateful to live mm-hmm. here the it's you know the you know overall great weather i would say it's it's might be the second best food city in the united states outside of new york i mean it's I there's, a, there's a lot mm-hmm. of amazing things about it, about it here, but it is, it is ridiculous, the costs. So we're able to, we get a house and, and we're just at this point where I'm not making a lot of money at that point in time. I'm, you know, younger in my career. And it just kind of, there was this point where my my wife was net was definitely was never arguably still really isn't a car person. And she just kind of, she's very fiscally minded and kind of just wasn't really, on board with the Delorean in the sense of the, the the emotional side of it, which is which, and I can't fault her for that, and I I don't hold that against her at all. But I, I just kind of reached this point where I thought, you know what, I think we just had a we just had a kid, uh, we just got a house. It's it's for the best if I sell this thing and and move on from it. I I mean I I the the Delorean marketing tagline in 1981 was live the dream. And I got to do that. I got to do that. My, from my entire twenties, from the day I turned 20 to the day I turned 30, I owned my dream cars. I I got it when I was still 18, tail end of 18, sold it when I was 31. And so, you know, like most guys, if they're lucky enough to own their dream car, a lot of times it's not till they're maybe retired till they're in their, I don't know, fifties or sixties, or maybe even later. So I consider myself very fortunate. I, I had so many adventures with that car. I, I made so many gr- great friends and went to so many places that I never would have gone to. We had national DeLorean car shows. I mean, there's a whole thing. There's like, you know, it's it's there's a there's a whole culture there, just like with Tesla. And so I parted ways with it, but but along the way, there was this moment in time where uh, I I don't know how I became aware of Tesla at first. I don't remember the first encounter with it. It definitely wasn't with a Roadster. It is like it wasn't in the flesh. It was I read something, I heard something that oh, there's this startup car company making electric sports cars right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I thought, well, that's in- interesting, and I came to I looked a l- looked a little more into it and found all these. Obviously, coincidental, but bizarre parallels to the DeLorean story: bigger than life CEO, American startup uh, built in the UK. Of course, as, as Tesla partnered with Lotus to build the Roadster gliders, just as DeLorean built the the DMC-12 in Northern Ireland. Uh, even the, there was even a Lotus connection because uh, you know Lotus with the Roadster gliders, and Lotus did the did the suspension work on the DeLorean. So you had all these just really weird and even safety-minded. John DeLorean, famously, he pushed for airbags in the 70s at GM and was told, no, we're not spending money on that. Uh, And and the DeLorean, the original DeLorean prototype is the DSV, the DeLorean Safety Vehicle. And it, it was just an incredibly, the DeLorean was and is a very safe car. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, you have Tesla coming along and part of their thing is we're, everything we do is going to be safety minded. So you, you just had all these completely coincidental, but, but incredible coincidences of these parallels. And so I started to really, and, and, I, and I've, I've realized over the years, my personality, I'm very wired inside to root for the underdog. I mean, I was born in New Jersey, a Mets fan, not a Yankee fan, a Mets fan. I come out to Arizona, the Diamondbacks have kind of always been the the underdog in their, in their corner of the baseball world and, and DeLorean itself clearly an underdog story in the automotive scene. And then Tesla uh, certainly in the early days, very much an underdog story. So uh, I, I, I learn all this stuff about Tesla. And so I reach out to the, what is at the time the one and only Tesla showroom, which was in Menlo park, California at a former Chevrolet dealership, GM, coincidentally enough, uh, not far from Stanford campus, and uh, and I, I got a hold of the some somehow I guess some email. Address. I don't remember if I called or emailed, but I somehow got a hold of people there and and just said, "Hey, I I help coordinate our local DeLorean club. Uh, there are these strange little parallels to what you guys are doing and." Is so there any way we could have like an event, have a club, DeLorean club event at your at your location, at your showroom and maybe just we could all see the 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 Roadster and you could kind of give us you could kind of show us around. And to their great credit, Tesla said yes. You know, I I say to this day if if I had called Ferrari or Lamborghini, they'd have slammed the phone down mm-hmm. and with while, laughing while they did it. And that's not to speak ill of them necessarily, but it's Tesla was in that mode where they knew they just had to get people as you, as we all now know, as Tesla owners, you have to get people behind the wheel of the car. When you you can, you can talk at them all you want about the benefits of the electric car of the Tesla drivetrain, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not until you get behind the wheel that you instantly get it. You instantly know This is something special. So to Tesla's credit, here comes this, you know, maniac uh (laughs) DeLorean owner saying, Can I bring 17 DeLoreans down to your down to your showroom, which which is what we had, which was the biggest turnout of any club event I can recall in my DeLorean years? 17 DeLoreans all lined up in the in the parking lot, and they were so gracious. They even took us not only around the showroom, which had the it had the, um, I believe it was just the rolling mule, but a, a Model S prototype, because uh, this was this was 2009, so the Roadster was out, but the Model S was nowhere close to being out. It would have been an and, Alpha or something. Yeah, and they even they even took us. There was a there was another building in the back of the property behind the showroom that the public's not allowed into, because it's where they did final assembly of the cars. The Roadster gliders would come in uh from from the u k be flown into San Francisco International airport and be trucked down to to this building in at the Menlo park showroom they would bring the gliders in and then they had the the battery packs and the p e m s brought in of course they those were coming in from Japan at the time and they would as, do final assembly they had a whiteboard of vIN numbers and like the status and you know what where each car is along the way now I know which one you 're so talking we,
0: about if you if you 've seen the movie um revenge of the electric car there's some really great scenes in there where elon yeah. walks in and he's like holy cow what's going on here yeah and he has to swallow that bitter pill and telling all the owners that he had to increase right. prices so anyways carry on
1: yeah so so it was just this incredible event i had such a great time they tesla was so gracious i mean they could have again they could have they could have hung up the phone or they could have just politely said no thank you we're trying to sell cars here and you know we're, none of we're, none of us are probably buying cars. I mean, <laughs> DeLoreans are at the time. You know, again, they're they're not. The Roadster started at one hundred nine thousand dollars, so you know it's kind of a different class. But to their great credit, they had us in, and we had a great day. And so I sent an, an email uh, the next day, just expressing my sincere gratitude for the time and effort that they put into that. And uh, and and one of the guys writes back and says. Would you like to come and take a test drive? Oh, hell so yeah. So I said, well, sure. <laughs> that sounds great. Hello. And, and as, as is the story for, again, many of us, most of us, all of us, the first drive, it, 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 it changes your entire automotive perspective. Uh, at least it did for me. Um, here I am in a car that costs way more. I mean, I've been driving a very unique car for many years in the form of the DeLorean, but I'd never driven anything that expensive, that powerful. And uh, Mike, who was the name of the, the sales associate that took me out, he's egging me on. Because I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm not like going wild in this thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's six not figures, mine. Right? And it's, yeah. But he's like, go ahead, come on. And he's egging me on. And and we had like a four, he let me, we had the car out for like 45 minutes. It was just crazy. And and it's, you know, they're, they're, there's a picture that he took when he's egging me on, I think there's a picture of the speedometer that I think I got it up to like 110 or something. And, you know, don't tell the police, but (laughs) it's just this, just this incredible experience. And, and from there, that was it. I just, I, I went down the rabbit hole and learned everything I could about the company. I started learning about, about the white star, which was the model S and then the, this code name, the blue star, which would become the model three. And, Elon's secret master plan blog. And, and, and I, and I read that and well, okay. So there's going to be a, the model S I'm probably not going to be able to afford, but the next one, the one after that, that's going to be the car for me. And I just started following them religiously from that, at that point. And it, and it got to the point where, uh, you know, come 2015, the model S is out and I've spent a ton of time with it. I have a cousin Patrick in Arizona who had bought an early one he was on the reservation list before the S came out. Uh, so I'd spent a ton of time with the car and I'd been following the company religiously. And my wife just got sick of hearing me talk about Tesla all the damn time. So I thought, well, you know what I, I do? <laughs> I, I do video game podcasts at IGN for my day job and I love it. It's a, it's a part of my job. I love doing, I always, it, it allows me to scratch the radio itch that I always wanted to go into radio and never, never did. And so I started that's when I had the idea for Ride the Lightning, which uh, at the time when I when I thought it up, I remember we were in a restaurant. We were at one of our favorite restaurants and I'm, I'm pitching this to my wife saying, what do you think of this? And, and, then, I, and then I said, well, there have got to be a million Tesla podcasts because there's a million anything anyone's interested in. There's a podcast about it. And this was in like May of 2015 and i i search on 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 apple podcasts nothing comes up I'm like this that's got to be a mistake nothing nothing nobody's done this um one other podcast managed to get started before i actually got my first episode out in er- the be- very beginning of august of 2015 yeah i remember that but uh but yeah so i just kind of i guess as far as the podcast space goes or the Content creation space if you want to call it that if you want to fold in YouTube and such. I guess I'm one of the one of the the first movers one of the The the, uh, the first folks to have kind of started doing it in the community but it's it's really just it's it was a passion project from day one and and it's turned it's it's become you know, it's it's fulfilled the Wildest dreams and more between the Roadsters and 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 getting Elon on the show and Franz oh. and so it's, it's, it's just gone so far past what I ever thought it would do. And it's it's a blast. And now I get to, you know, what I love about Tesla is, you know, I fell in love with the cars and the company, but I love the community. I mean, it's just so great to be able to do something like this with you guys. And anytime there's a Tesla event and we we all get to come see each other and it's the community here is, it reminds me of the DeLorean community in that, it's very diverse, it's, it's young people, it's old people, it's people of every gender, ethnicity, background. It's Tesla really casts a pretty wide net. You know, it's not just a bunch of rich old white guys like it is for, you know, I won't name any car brands cause I guess, but you know, like, like you kind of would expect from, from a lot of other car, you know, car club kind of situations. It's the Tesla community really is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I think um, your parallel, I mean, a lot of parallels, I think for a lot of us, I mean, Ian and I are big car guys as well, I think the parallel is pretty much the same way too. I mean, Elon, I mean, he's a lightning rod, he's today's, you know, uh, Steve Jobs in a lot of ways, if you think about it that way. Sure. But, um, you know, and and the company's still young, I mean, you know, the other companies are all much older, of course, and, you know, if you think about it, Elon uh, likes to remind everyone that... Uh, you know, it's very hard to start a car company. Actually it's easy to start a company, but it's very hard to keep it going because of the <laughs> capital yeah. investments, right? You know, he likes to remind everyone that uh, Tesla and Ford are the only two car companies that haven't gone bankrupt in North America. So that says a lot. Um I wanna backtrack a oh hello, Nutmeg. He wants to join in. Um I wanna backtrack a little bit from the Tesla stuff and um I, I know you, you have a job at IGN and you yeah. have a degree in journalism. Mm-hmm. You wanted to do radio, you said. It was always a
1: passion of mine. Uh, I was lucky to fall into something that what I was even more passionate about, which was I, I got a job out of college at a video game magazine, official Xbox magazine. So yeah, it was a uh, it was hard to argue against that. But but yeah, if that had never panned out, I there's a good chance I might have gone into radio, uh, which I'm kind of glad I didn't, because radio is pretty dead. Like who listens to yeah, FM but radio? Yeah, you the voice They're- for it, man. There are, well that's the thing I have this face it's a radio face which is why I do a podcast and not a YouTube show but right. I, I was gifted by God with a good voice so I I'm I'm grateful for that
0: but what made you want to get into the to the journalism was that kind of a secondary or was that just like uh, you know failing the radio thing or, or getting into journalism
1: it was definitely the first love i writing and writing english i mean those were always Those were always my best subjects, the ones I was most interested in in school growing up. So, you know, I I had a crazy idea around high school of, you know, I would read the video game magazines. And I thought, well, I want to do that. Let's do that. So what do I need to do to accomplish that? Well, I need to crush it in school so I can, (laughs) you know, get get to college. And then I need to crush it in college and go to journal. You know, it's. I could go to, I could get an English degree, but I felt like that wasn't going to be as flexible as a journalism degree. So, all right, let's let's go to journalism school, uh, which Arizona State, uh, big party school, yes, <laughs> but their journalism program is actually very highly renowned. It's the Walter Cronkite School. I
3: was of journalism. just about to
0: ask if that's, you know, the Walter Cronkite. Yeah, program, isn't that so.
1: funny? And I've always
3: said, like, that your show, you you always sounded to me like the Walter Cronkite of Tesla News. That's oh, how uh, I describe uh, it
0: to people. When like, oh, that's you the way that. it is.
3: Exactly, it's got that authoritative, <laughs> measured, you know.
0: Yeah, we miss Walter. Considering today's uh, media climate, which actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, Ryan. Um, you know, having a journalism degree in your day job and you seeing what's going on with Tesla, how how much does it bother you having a bona fide journalism degree, seeing the the amount of bias and negativism in 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 the journalism business? It seems like everybody like integrity has just gone out the window now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it it is shocking to see how the industry has changed and, and how, you know, it's I mean, it, all of American culture, or at least far too much of it, in my humble opinion, has gotten so tribal for in everything, whether it's, you know, it used to be I could be a Mets fan and you could be a Yankees fan and we could we could have a. You know, we could sit at a bar and watch a, a, a Mets versus Yankees uh, interleague game together, and and have a good time, and and rib each other about it. And but even sports now, you know, sports is is uh, you know just grossly tribal in a lot of ways, and and obviously politics is. And but even in my day job, the video game world is uh, not not entirely awful. Don't get me wrong, but. There are, I mean, my Twitter feed is, is ripe with just, you know, I'll put, I'll put some opinion out about Xbox. Cause that's sort of my primary beat having worked at official Xbox magazine for so many years. And some of these people just take the video game thing. It's like they're enlisting in a, in a war. And like, I will pledge my fealty to this monolithic corporation and i will defend your honor if anyone besmirches you <laughs> it's it's really kind of and, but it's it's all of it's a societal issue as far as i am humbly concerned i mean it's just my opinion you may disagree but uh so yeah it's and unfortunately it's even in in media it's gotten to that point too where you have the liberal outlets and the conservative outlets and it's it's uh you know the, the clickbait is is out of control oh. from and, and not just at at Crappy, low rent blogs, but everywhere, even you know the, the most reputable organizations. I mean, the the standards of journalism have, in my opinion, and, and I say, right, believe me, I, I'm not a real journalist. I have a real journalism degree, but I work in enthusiast media, and I I recognize that you know that that may not give me as much of a leg to stand on as I stand here and give my opinion on this. But but yeah, it's uh, it is. It's a far cry even from when I was younger of of what you'd see on on the news of you know you could it didn't matter which channel you you got your you turned on to get your news from 25 30 years ago and now it's you know you're sort of you're just which which echo chamber do I want to go into mm, yeah. well, I'm gonna go into the one where that tells me what I want to hear and the way I've so you know it's a it's a strange thing and and thats certainly uh become. It certainly affected Tesla as well with uh, you know, it's
0: these these More various
1: less. not just outlets, but reporters. I mean the Lynette Lopez's of the world, like come on, who, Russ
0: Mitchell, yeah.
1: You know, Russ Mitchell's he's 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 appalling to me, that man.
0: Yeah.
1: His uh the 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 uh fact that he works for the Los Angeles Times I know. and is so blatantly, blatantly he wears it on his sleeve proudly. He doesn't even try to hide it. It's like how does the LA Times keep this man on the Tesla beat. It's It should be, there, there's a clear ethical violation there. And again, in my opinion.
0: No, I agree with you. Russ it's not, not just your opinion, it's mine too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: I, a, I, 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 sort of, I sort of believe this, and a lot of what you're saying, Ryan, is so on the nose, correct? Because I have looked at journalism um, from going back to the time of Walter Cronkite, looking at news organizations at the time, the Dan Rathers, Walter Cronkite sure. of the world. Those were people in journalism, Tom Brokaw, we we yeah, Diane knew Sawyer. exactly there were so many, Hugh Downs, uh, Barbara Walters, there were so many names in the 70s and 80s that we as, as News watchers wanted to tune into to hear what they had to say about the world events. And we tuned in at 630 to watch the evening news at the family dinner table to really understand what was happening in the world around us. And as news organizations, whether they're print or televised media, started to realize that they were losing viewership, they were losing readers in the advent of the Internet age. They had to monetize their their funds some other way, so that's how you started seeing a lot more opinion pieces. Right. Um, you're seeing these Sinclair news outlets that have these very opinionated pieces, and they just they broaden their reach very quickly. And, and, and the
1: law that was, uh, I believe it was, it might have been in the Clinton era. I don't quite recall, but there was a there was a law that was, or a, or a policy that was changed that. It used to be you wouldn't be allowed to own, like, more than one media outlet. Right. And now it's like, you know, you can have the, the Sinclairs or whatever that just own a whole bunch Murdoch's. of—
2: Murdoch's. You know, yeah, yeah that, that just wants. own
1: everything. And so yeah. you're, you're really just controlling the message at that point.
2: Right. I mean, a lot, a lot of local news channels really aren't that local. They're really exactly. owned by a global conglomerate that really has, you know, some puppeteering in work. So so a lot of what you're saying is really correct. And, and I sort of have the same perspective. Again, we're not trying to politicize this in any which way, but we do know that politics played a part in how we've arrived at this Location, and it's it's alarming to realize that it's hard. To, it's it's an understandable. I will say that it's for some people to say, "Well, I can't trust the news because it's hard to know where the truth really lies." When anybody can create a blog, create a podcast. I mean, everyone now has an opinion and finds a way to channel it, whether it be through social media, through some other avenue. And it's hard to then take the anti-vaxxers. It's hard to take the anti-Tesla people. Like all these folks, sort of find their audience and they latch onto that and next thing you know the chorus becomes so loud not in terms of their number but in terms of what the messaging is right. and oh. so the support supporters like you and i uh will f- sort of see that audience and wonder well where is that coming from what is their intent and then it reaches into actual journalistic integrity and then we say well why are these lena lopez's and these Rosses of the world doing what they're doing well again the papers can hire them because in essence they're getting readers they are getting subscribers and whether it's it's you know if you want to say it's proper you know ethics that's certainly up for grabs but in terms of these organizations if they're if they're putting out just opinion pieces and they're labeling it hey this is just ross's opinion then you're sort of saying well listen we're, we're not saying that what he's saying is correct but we at least know, you know we're going to give them the outlet to do so. but it's a major outlet, and that's that's I think part of the problem
1: yeah and and that's what makes Tesla's you know real breakthrough over the last uh, year or so all the more applause worthy is that they have the product is so good. the product is so good that they're the none of those attacks stick. they don't matter. I mean, that's why, I've said this on my podcast before, but the Model S in 2012 had to effectively be a perfect car, or as close to perfect as it could possibly be, in order for Tesla to have a chance to survive. To not only as an electric car to get anyone to pay attention to it, uh, but but to survive the onslaught of of negativity. I mean, remember when when it the the fud got so prevalent that everyone thought that Tesla's had a massive battery fire problem like I would hear it from from in-laws from oh, uncles yeah. who, who didn't you know and again this is six seven years ago who you know did certainly none of them had Tesla's themselves yet mm-hmm. I, have, I have a couple of family members that have since gotten Tesla's but you know it really got to this it bro it, it, it can break through They're, these these people can break through on their their negative messaging but the product is so good now to their credit tesla has i mean like with that they took swift action of retrofitting titanium plates Mm -hmm. into every single model s that had been built and every single one that would come since and guess what you don't hear about battery fires anymore like they're they're one in a once in a blue moon still happens it's physics things will eventually break the wrong way somehow but you don't hear about battery fires anymore because you know the product is too good tesla fixes it so it's yeah it's it's just it's awesome to see that now tesla is to the point where the fudsters don't really have anything left that they can
0: they don't have like the yeah. they they'll don't keep have trying <laughs> yeah
1: but uh like I, i'm sure they're going to come up with something with the cyber truck like we
0: we still see stuff on the internet once in a while i mean it's died down quite a bit but you know, the Tesla Q crowd, for example, uh, created their own little echo chamber. I mean, sure. which was the worst thing that they could have ever done for themselves, but Hey, they that, that well, exactly. But I, I, I want to kind of go back a little bit because, you know, the fact that you mentioned that, you know, they were under attack all the time and then, but the product was so good that they ended up surviving. I see a lot of parallels with that. I've been in, in the IT business for like 30 years. I went through the whole hell of Apple being really good. And then almost like literally going out of business. Um, And then, you know, you couldn't read an article through 95 through 97, even into 98 without the word beleaguered in front of Apple. And now look at them. I mean, they're the the most profitable company in history. Um, And I'm seeing a lot of parallels with Tesla now because despite all the FUD, the product speaks for itself. Now, Tesla's, I mean, always had some financial troubles and stuff just because it's monumentally expensive to get into the car business. But now that they're profitable, they're actually making money. Now they have factories. uh, You know, they have a very bright future ahead of them um so i i kind of want to go back a little bit and and just talk a little bit about your your experience with the delorean because it ties in a little bit with the Cybertruck. first of all before we begin you had your roads uh your i keep saying roadster you you had your delorean for what 13 years 12
1: years 12? 12 great years
0: okay um i hope you didn't lose any money on it when you sold it
1: no uh quite the opposite i mean i put a lot in over the years i i I was lucky. I got it in good. It was in very good condition. I wouldn't call it mint. I wouldn't call it like car show, pristine quality. Usual stuff. It, but by the time I was done with it, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, in the end, I probably didn't make money uh, from what I had put in over the years. But but it's uh, I did sell it, it for quite a bit more than I bought it for.
3: Okay. I was going to say, if you didn't lose any time, you don't lose money in a car is
1: miraculous. I mean, I. And I I wouldn't trade the experience. I mean, it was, I, I mean, I it's I miss that car, but I also don't I, I don't uh, regret the decision to to sell it. But I I certainly miss it. It's it's a it's far from a perfect car. I mean, I talked about the 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 you know underpowered nature of it. There are f- flaws aplenty in the Delorean, and DMC didn't stick around long enough to rectify those flaws. But it's just it. It is a good car. It kind of has a reputation as being a a, a, a crappy car. It is not. It's a it's a very good car, and it's just, it's a unique piece of not just automotive history, but pop culture history because of mm-hmm. of course of Back to the Future, yeah. uh, which you know I wouldn't have really known about it otherwise, and most people would not know about it otherwise. But it's there will ne- There has never been anything like the DeLorean and there will never be anything like the DeLorean ever again. And, and again, and I'm not putting it on a pedestal saying that. It it was an imperfect car, but it's just, it is, the thing, uh, what I love about that car was I bought it because I loved it. I saw it in the movie as a kid and I came to learn about the car and the company and I fell in love with the car and everything that, that came with it. I can still, in my mind's eye, like right now, I can close my eyes. I know how, what every surface feels like, what every, <laughs> what the, the, the driving position, the, the feel of the leather pull strap to bring the door down, the going door down, everything. It's all burned into my memory in, in the very best of ways. And I, you know, it's just, uh, it, it really was something special that, that, uh, that I will, that I'm just very grateful to have had it's really a, a special thing.
0: Yeah. You really lucked out because you really have what, what I would consider to be a, one of the most modern of the late, you know, say last 30 years to be a really classic yeah. car.
1: Yeah. And, and what I was, what I was getting at before I just lost my train of thought. There is what I was going to say is, um, you know, I've never owned a supercar, uh, but, but I've certainly observed them on the road as a, as a bystander and seen other people observe them. And, you know, with with some supercars, you know, some people will go, "Wow, man, beautiful Ferrari!" Oh, look at that, just a work of art. And other people will go, "Ugh, Ferrari!" Yeah. F that But <laughs> <laughs> the Delorean? The Delorean Especially. again? Of it's all credit. Like ninety percent of the credit goes to Back to the Future, and ten. Which, which we have to, have to get
0: Andy Sly go. to finally sit down and watch that damn movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to. <laughs> I'm who hasn't care, seen but... it?
0: There's someone on this planet who hasn't seen this. Film? Andy Sly <laughs> hasn't seen it yet. Uh, well, so he oh, claims. No. So he claims. Anyways, carry but,
1: on. But uh but the thing about the DeLorean is, and I this is not an exaggeration. Pretty much every time I would take that car out, whether I'm just going down the road or I'm at a gas station or I've I've stopped at it, you know, if I'm going somewhere and I get out of it, and people they 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 turn and look at the car, and it was it's nothing but smiles and thumbs ups and taking pictures that car on the back of back to the future people were happy to see it mm-hmm. nobody ever went Ugh, f that guy and the DeLorean." <laughs> no it was people it, it really it made like people were happy to see it and that that always made me happy as, as i was always happy to drive it and happy to own it and grateful to own it so that that was like not what i signed up for i signed up for the car but that was always a really fun side effect it just it made people were happy to
2: see it when i would take it out yeah. i think part of it is and you mentioned the pop culture relationship that people have because of the film but it's also in part because you you could tell your exuberance your youth of what that meant to you as yeah. an 8-year-old seeing that car on film for the first time and then your aspirations that led you into your late teens early 20s to go this is my purpose, this is my goal, and you finally did it, and then for the better part of 12 years, you made that baby yours. So you're able to, every single time you have that experience through somebody else's perspective – you're reliving that eight-year-old feeling of that is an amazing car. And I've seen DMCs in the wild, and I've taken a photograph of every single one of them, whether they're refurbished or if it's a mock-up of the Back to the Future car or something in between that, because it's just an iconic vehicle. And I remember where I was in my life when I first saw it on screen. And even now when I see it, anytime I see it, it's just it has a certain connection to your past of a time that you felt good. And the movie itself is a heartfelt story. It's kind of weird and sickening in some ways because he makes out with his mom, but whatever. It's still, it's still one of those things that you, you have a connection to it, and that's why that, that, that emotional connection matters so much to people who see someone else driving it because they go, "Oh, look at that guy! I wish I could. I wish I could drive that even for five minutes."
1: And I always, I always took a lot of pride. I always wanted to represent Delorean the car well, so I made sure my car was always clean. And that's why I put a lot of time and effort and money into, you know, taking it from a good car, which is what it was when I got it into just a pristine DeLorean by the time I was uh, by the time I sold it. Like I, I when people saw it, I wanted them to say, wow, the DeLorean's a beautiful car. I didn't want them to to go, oh, wow, that thing's a piece of crap. <laughs> so I, I feel like I, I represented the, the DeLorean mark well in my in my time as an owner.
0: FineLab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from an certified installer in your area. Fine lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. I think that's an excellent segue to get into talking about the maintenance of the stainless steel. Now, I think most people who have seen the DeLorean know that it has a stainless steel skin. I mean it's not gonna be as thick as the Cybertruck, but that's irrespective at this point. So what can you tell us? about the maintenance of stainless steel, given that there's no paint to deal with anymore. And what, what kind of things do you think, because we don't know 100% now, but what kind of things do you think we can expect to have to deal with um, in terms of maintenance of, of some, something like a Cybertruck who has you know, a completely uh, stainless steel exterior body?
1: Well, first of all, uh, one of the most frequently asked questions that I would get as a DeLorean owner, whether it was when I was displaying it at a car show or just out and about, not everybody did know it was stainless. Uh, I get a, is that aluminum? That was a common uh, one. Is okay. that
0: aluminum?
1: Um, uh, so number one, the number one thing, and I've said this on my podcast, but uh, it's I, I still people won't really get it until they have their Cybertruck. But what I can tell you now, and you can you can file this away and go, oh yeah, Ryan warned me about that. Uh-huh. Number one, expect to return to your Cybertruck covered in fingerprints. It's going to happen a lot because there's something about the curiosity of human nature of being accustomed, you know, literally every car, a hundred percent of cars that you see are covered in paint. They are, they are painted vehicles. Yeah. So they have a, they have a look, a finish that, that we are all visually accustomed to. Stainless steel has a different look and a different feel uh particularly when the weather's warm it can get hot uh but people are going to touch your cyber truck they are going to (laughs) be what is there There, it is just they can't help themselves i don't think they're even consciously doing it sometimes you're going to they're going to touch it they're going to be like huh so expect fingerprints and for a while you know here i was I, i made my my dream car come true i was you know in my late teens early 20s for a while it upset me because I'm big on respecting other people's yeah, property. I don't stuff. touch other people's cars cuz I don't want them to touch my car. Uh I mean the car a car is you know I've always been a car guy as I've said but a car is the most expensive thing that you buy other than your home and and but I would I would argue more than your home a car is somewhat of an expression of yourself too. It is a choice. I mean a, a home is too, particularly I guess if you can afford to build your own home and build it how you want it. Not, most people probably aren't doing that, but, you know, a car really is, it is It is the most expensive kind of personality choice that you can make, is how do you want to express yourself in how you're going to transport yourself around, around the area where you live. So I just, I would see that the idea when I would come back to the DeLorean with fingerprints on it, but over time I just had to kind of part of it was youth.
0: Just get over it.
1: It's going to happen. Got to move past it. And the thing I would, the thing that I tell myself, would tell myself is fingerprints wipe right off. It's fine. They're yeah, not the car. Yeah. It's it's fine. Windex. Windex? You Windex your stainless steel. That's it. That's it. It's, it's gone. And, and you, like- you can clean the whole thing with Windex. Uh, I've done that. I did that many times. Would just take you know, be at a car show or something and just bottle of Windex paper towels, straight, spritz straight onto the body and just wipe the car down.
0: And that takes the fingerprints away?
1: Makes the fingerprints and mm-hmm. any dirt right off the car. Nice. It's uh, like the so, OG
3: waterless cleaner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say don't bother with stainless steel polish. Uh, some DeLorean owners I would know would use that. I tried it once. It just kind of leaves an oily residue that I don't think... Looks good, or and it actually makes fingerprints worse if someone touches it. So, all you're going to need to worry about with your Cybertruck, soap and water. That's it. And, Just a, and a soap and water, the body, and it will look pristine for decades. So what for about a
0: so what about things like light scratches? I've heard you say this before, and I think it's going to shock some people. But what do you do Heavy about light?
1: Sc- right
0: yeah the... heavy duty
1: scotch bright and you brush with the grain now we don't know if or what the grain will be if if t- cuz the DeLorean uh they would take the body panels and they had these uh just heavy duty just like sandpaper belts and they would just put a grain into the stainless steel okay. so that it had a you know a sort of a textural look to it and i mean the the prototype cyber truck doesn't really have that it's just sort of a yeah, flat more
0: polished yeah
1: stainless steel so Sappy, it'll yeah it'll be interesting to see what tesla the production version does because depending like with the delorean you could take you take the scotch bright and you just go with the grain and the the scratch would come out so but if you're if there's no grain and if you go to take it out is what it going to leave do? kind of right spot so mm-hmm. that kind of that remains to be seen with the Cybertruck. but yeah scratches not a problem and then you know dents a a, uh, a good metal worker which i'm sure there are going to be a lot more of them popping up in mm-hmm. the automotive space once uh once the the, the cyber truck gets really out into the wild a good metal worker can take can take that out can take out a dent or a ding no problem
0: if, if the skin is as thick as they say it is on the Cybertruck, um, you know, I will rejoice in kicking the doors when I go to car shows just for, just for effect. Um, but yeah, I was always curious about the maintenance situation because, uh, you know, you're like me, you take care of your car. I've seen you take care of your car. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the most expensive I've thing to a fortune
1: own. Detailing my car, which yeah. I don't
0: regret, but
1: like it, that will be unnecessary with the the Cybertruck will be a professional detailers worst nightmare <laughs> yeah. it really will be because there's nothing to do you don't there's no waxing it there's no ceramic coating it there's no per, paint, paint protection, protection It. there's no paint correcting it it just is fine and like i said it's just soap and water and it's fine for decades nice. you will never have a problem
0: that's awesome well looking forward yeah. to it um now, you own a Performance uh, Model 3?
1: One of the first.
0: Yes, I remember that. Actually, Ian and I called you when you took delivery of your car. That was fun times. Yeah, you got yours, I think, about three weeks before me. Yeah, that's right. Three, four weeks, maybe. Um, how's it holding up? Everything good?
1: Everything is great, yeah. Uh, paint Protect, the aforementioned PPF uh, has saved me several I times. I am a very big advocate for full-body paint protection film. If you can budget for it now... I know some people out there are of the opinion, it's a car, it's gonna take wear and tear over time, and hey, more power to you, I'm not judging, I'm not preaching. For me, I am so OCD and protective about my car, it's the most expensive thing I have, and I I love that I want it to look its best, so I do go the extra mile with my Immaculate Reflections, my wonderful detailer, and the whole car is PPF'd over, uh, and and that works for me, that gives me peace of mind, and it, it actually has saved me quite a lot of paint damage over the, the first 25,000 miles, because San Francisco is a nightmare to drive around, and things happen.
0: And the one thing I remember about San Francisco and cars is the cars are beat up like hell over there. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, driving city, for sure. And we have to deal with winter here, so we put a lot of salt and grit on the roads. I mean, you should see Ian's car. I mean, he just had it completely detailed, but oh my god.
3: Yeah, the front end after the lightning run was destroyed. I mean, it felt like 80 grit sandpaper.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I live in Florida. So I'm, I'm staying out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, Eric, you're lucky, man. You just paid
2: off your car. I did. Paid off the car today. Uh, took nice delivery spread. of the car. Thank you so much. Uh, took delivery in April 2018. And at the time, I was able to put about 50% of the vehicle cost down nice. as down payment. So, I, so when I reserved the car uh, a couple years prior, I was able to, like, all right, I'm going to start. Budgeting for the car and save for that car, and then um, when when order time came, I'm like, all right, well, here's here's what I can give you today, and then uh, finance the rest. And I had to do some refinancing just to be able to get my my second home here. Um, but as of today, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I have the funds available. I'm just going to pay off the car because I hate having debt. Oh, I hate so debt. so it was it's you. really good. But you know, Ryan's right. I, I I I pride myself on what the car means as an identity of a reflection of my identity when I drive it. Um, there are those people who will see the car who maybe are sort of new to Tesla or don't really have a lot of, uh, uh, acknowledged experience with the vehicle. And will sometimes say, oh my God, is that, is that the new car? What is it like? You know, can I see it? And I'm always like, touch it, feel it, see it. If you want to go for a ride, I'll put you in the car when it's safe to do so. Um, you know, cause ideally it's like, do you want people to have that cultural, uh, experience with the vehicle? And, you know, when I think when people sort of Um, separate themselves from the rumor mongering and actually see the product right in front of them, the tangible physical product They then realize, Oh, it's not what I thought it was. And then they, and then the surrealness of it comes into play and he goes, wow, this really is a really cool car. So um, I don't have the ability to get PPF and ceramic and all that kind of stuff. um, But I, like Ryan does, I, I take care of my car as best I can, but it is, it is really honestly uh, uh, the most incredible car I've ever owned. It, 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 you, you someone can now say hey listen now that you own your car i'll 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 buy it from you you couldn't like it, it just it means that much to me I'm uh, the same that way. this is my first electric car like you're you're not buying it from me i,
0: I mean this is my second tesla and even though i went down a different path and bought the model x i mean as as nice of a car that was um I wanted the Performance Model 3, and when I was ready to buy one, it just wasn't available. So when the time came, that's when I got I, I love this car. It made me fall in love with sedans again. After driving SUVs for the like, last 15 years, I love this car. And I'm, matter of fact, would, I mean, my next car is going to be the Cybertruck. That's, that's my next exciting car. That I'd like to get, uh, but I'm not getting rid of the Model 3. Uh, Bev's going to drive it, so we're going we're to hold on to that. Speaking of which, Ryan, um, I know how much you love the sport wheels when you got your car because, I mean, back in the early days, we were talking about it all the time. I, I see yeah, you're the, rocking
1: the, this. The prototype had 20-inch wheels on it, which I thought, for me, just fit the car perfectly. So when it shipped with 19s, I was like, uh-oh, that, that yeah. proportion <laughs> doesn't look right to yeah, me anymore. It doesn't. But thankfully, they, they brought the 20s out. So.
0: But now I see you're running your zero Gs. You like them better?
1: They are, you know, we had no idea what they would look like. We were lu- I was lucky enough to win a set in the with, as part of the referral program. And my thought was, if I like them, I'll keep them on the car. If I don't like them, I will use them. I'll put winter tires on them for any time we want to go up to Lake Tahoe or something like that. Of course, I'm not going anywhere <laughs> nowadays, but yeah. in time. Uh, and I'll tell you, as soon as the, the first people took delivery of them uh, and started posting pictures online. I was in love and I knew I was like, Oh, this is uh, against the, the performance red calip, brake calipers too. This is going to look real good. And I, I am in love with those wheels. I think they're, they're, I, yeah, I, I know wheels are completely subjective, right? What's, what's gorgeous to one person is hideous to another. Um, but I I am in love with the zero G wheels and and I'm so grateful to have yeah, to have got. I'm,
0: I'm with you on that. As soon as I saw them, I said, "Oh my gosh! I gotta get a set of those." Um, the nice thing is that I mean, if you I mean, with my car be, being so new, um, I had put winter tires on it right away, so I had literally like no miles on the uh, 20 yeah. inches, so I was able to offload them very quickly. So I'm very happy about that. Now, speaking of which, you have a performance Model 3. That's the car you've always wanted. You love it and stuff. Is there anything in the product lineup now or coming um, that, if you had your own money, what would you spend on? Like, what what Tesla would you would you buy with your own money?
1: I I have never owned a truck, but I would if I I, I would get a Cybertruck because it's stainless steel and it's just freaking weird. Um, <laughs> because again, I I drove the one of the weirdest cars ever in the Delorean, and I loved it. I, like, I think again part of that it, that underdog mentality, that rooting for the underdog thing of me. I I think part of it is that I that I want to be unique, and I don't want to be because you know, it's I don't have the football player good looks or whatever, so it's like, well, how can I be? So you know, I guess it's ego, right? I, yeah, I guess if I drill down that. far enough psychologically, there is part of it is ego of like wanting to be unique and wanting to be special. And even though the Cybertruck is going to be mass produced, you know, uh, I, I was lucky enough to get to ask Elon directly at Battery Day, what's the per, what's the ultimate production, uh, the volume of these per year. And he said, uh, you know, 250, 300,000 is what he's seeing. I still, the, the cyber truck is going to be a, there's just nothing else like it on the road. It's going to be in, uh, wholly unique in this, in, in a, in similar ways, of course, that the DeLorean was and is. And yeah, if, if I lived somewhere else besides tight cramped San Francisco, uh, I would absolutely... I probably would swap the three for for the Cybertruck. Um, but uh, as such, I'm it's lucky not- I'll just I'll keep my three, pay it off, because I've still got... I've got a couple more years to go on uh, on my payments. But um, yeah, Cybertruck would be the way to go. But, um, but I am looking... I, I'm very fortunate that I will get that unique experience, basically in perpetuity... Again, by virtue of of the referral program, Trevor, you and I were in the right place at the right time yeah. to win the Roadster. Uh, and, and so that I look, f- like that's a car that I will, my plan is to keep it until I die. Like <laughs> many decades, I mean, hey, maybe plans will change and who knows, but my intention is I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep this forever because th- this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, you know, that, that will guarantee me uh rock star status at any supercharger I ever visit. And, it, and part of the fun, the you know, for, I loved talking about the DeLorean with people whenever I would go somewhere and somebody would come up and ask about it. I just loved because again, it's, it's to, it's to, uh, it's to Eric's point earlier about just sharing that enthusiasm. And so I always loved talking to people about the DeLorean and it was just, you know, whether it was clearing up a, a long-held misconception that somebody had about it, or just you know, somebody else was interested and wanted to know about it. So I look forward to, to doing that again uh, with the Halo car.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you with that. Um, I, uh, that brings me to the point, like I was gonna ask what your, what your plans are. I see you're wearing your plaid, your plaid shirt tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, so consider- if, I'll I, mean- say, though, if I, I was gonna say really quickly interject here. If I had a Roadster and someone said, listen, If you want to trade in your Roadster for one ride on Dragon, I'd be like, where do I sign? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I would gladly give up a Roadster to go for one trip in space. Are you kidding me? That'd be fantastic. Now, Ryan
0: Ryan and I have had many conversations offline about the Roadster situation. I mean, you're absolutely right. We were very fortunate to be at the right time in the right place um, Mm -hmm. about the Roadster. Matter of fact, I remember calling you on the phone or texting you, you.
1: To me actually I because did. i was at work and yeah. and like a a bunch of what a bunch of them went through at once to push me over the edge and you yeah you actually broke the news to me
0: yeah it was funny because we, we were actually looking at our referrals and we were comparing notes back and forth and we're like any day now any day now and I remember calling you, and I said, congratulations. And you said, oh, that's pretty cool. Because at the time, that's when you were going to have Elon Musk on the podcast. And and you said, oh, well, yeah, it's pretty cool about Ryan I, or, or, about Elon. I said, no, man, check your referrals. And then and you're like, <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, yeah. That's exactly what you said. And no. that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, that was what a terrible week that was. Because that was right. Yeah, that was right when Elon first on Twitter publicly said, yeah, OK, uh, yeah. you know, maybe we'll – and so I just thought, I so thought that you, that's you had a double
0: whammy out. that day. And you thought I was talking about one thing <laughs> when I was talking about it the took other,
1: another, uh, six months after that to actually get the sit down with Elon, but it happened. So,
0: so considering changed. the fact that we've, uh, well, we both jointly won a couple of them. Well, we'll proofs in the pudding when we see it, what, what is your plans, um, for, for both cars?
1: I'm very fortunate that, uh, the second one, I have a, a buyer. So, here in, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're going to be, like, filthy rich off this, Trevor. <laughs> I don't know how Canada's tax system and... and uh, we still don't know. And I would be happy to be educated about it. But here in the United States, uh, it's... I basically had to win two of them to win one of them because the taxes are so sig- oh, significant. Yeah. And again, I, this is... I'm not complaining here. This is i yeah. I'm just explaining. I'm This is not a complaint but the taxes are a lot because uh, it's taxed as income. Right. So uh, And yeah, you have I, to pay
0: I, retail sales tax on it too.
1: That too. Uh, so it is
0: in
2: California. That, hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, sale, California sales tax. Yay.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, yeah. So I, I, the second one, I was able to line up a buyer and it's... I, I Let's see. I got to say this just to pr- protect his privacy, but it's, no, I'm very grateful to say it's, it's a longtime friend of mine who uh, worked for Tesla in the earlier years. And, um, he, he's actually using stock test like, you know, he, all the employees get stock. So he's, he's, uh, he's buying it that way. He's retired now. So he's, you know, this time. And, uh, and so like, I couldn't be more thrilled that he and I will, like like the movie Swingers, we'll get to like we'll each drive our own car and we'll go out to we'll get to go have fun together and and do stuff and it, I, I couldn't be, I, I've known this gentleman for a long time, uh, and yeah I'm, I'm thrilled that it's it's gonna be him that it, that it worked out where he came to me and 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 uh, wanted to to do it so it's, and then
2: Nikki's gonna call you back and say don't ever call me again, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, but then yeah and then uh, I my my intention is to, as I said, keep the other one forever. Uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm sort of budgeting for my assumption. I know, I don't really know. My assumption is that those massive Michelin sport cup, two tires are maybe going to last 5,000 miles a shot. Uh, so my, my, I'm figuring on a set of tires per year, uh, which uh, I I did actually kind of look them up. I, I think it'll be about three grand for a set of those tires. Uh, And then insurance will be not insignificant, which means I need to keep doing this podcast and (laughs) trying to, you know, keep that income, the little bit of income that that generates going for a while. But the nice thing is, and Trevor, you know, it's, you know, this as well. It's if, if we had been lucky enough to somehow win Ferraris through some sort of, you know, Ferrari owners online and the, Ride the Ferrari podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know about you. I I, I wouldn't be able to accept the, the, the car. I wouldn't be able to accept the prize because I I could no way afford $10,000 oil changes and yeah. however, you know, thousands of dollars for f- fuel flushes and engine maintenance, but a but a supercar Tesla.
0: I'll take yeah.
1: it. Yeah, that just has very minimal maintenance, again, outside of the tires. Yeah great. That's, I can actually do that.
0: Hmm.
1: So it's, that's, it's, uh, a, that's an
3: excellent life, point. Actually. Yeah,
1: yeah. Life is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful beyond words. I mean, I, the episode after I won the car is, I mean, I, it, it's self-indulgent is the way, is the word that comes to mind. Although I don't think that's quite, I was, I mean, it was all from the heart, but I, I rambled way too long. I think it was like 17 minutes of I'll, just I'll me practically in tears thanking the audience yeah, for for supporting me and making that possible because I am I grew up very middle class and again it's not a complaint that's not a, it's just that I grew up that way and I, I still I guess by pretty much any any definition am a middle class guy you know that something like this shouldn't happen to somebody in my lane for lack of a better term and and so the the fact that it has is is again i'm it's it's just a it's a humbling crazy thing that i don't know about you trevor but it it still doesn't feel real like i don't think it will actually feel real until delivery day like i'm I'm with you on that it it definitely got tangibly more real uh when tesla added the cars to our accounts not too long ago (laughs) That I just like I had I stared at it for like half an hour. I was just like, wow. Yeah, I think I texted you immediately
0: to check your account too, because I I had actually been working with Tesla for oh my god, I think about a year and a half to try and get that happening. Yeah, you were
1: you were pretty hot to trot on that. And I kept trying to tell you, just relax, give (laughs) it happen. There's plenty of time. I know. But yeah, it finally happened and it's yeah, so it's it's it is. It's it's the most insane thing to ever happen to me, and I could not be more humbled and grateful. I mean, I, I did spend three years before that building a podcast from nothing and building an audience by making the weekly commitment. I never missed a week. And so, you know, it's, it's not that it completely fell from the sky.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: No, you know, I did. I I worked hard. It wasn't a lottery. Yeah. To get, to get myself in that position. But as I said earlier, it's, it really was the right place at the right time. Because if if the referral program had ended a year earlier or, or if they'd never allowed the model threes, because that's really what the floodgates opened on the referrals. Is yeah. it, it was only S and X. And to his credit, Ben Sullins won his entirely on S's and X's. That's he true. was the first guy, the first person to win the roadster. And he did it before they added the model three, before the, the three was eligible to count as a referral toward your, your count, and so yeah, he really did. Like I, I don't, I don't think I would have ever gotten there without the three being, being part of it. So again, it's, it's a lot. It's I, we worked hard. You know, you built a, you built a, a forum and a community and a and a podcast and a YouTube channel over time. You know, we we, we worked hard to kind of be in the the right position, but it certainly required a hell of a lot of good fortune from there that that was well out of our control. Well, not only
2: that, but also people like me who are now owners uh, and whether you're a stakeholder and you own shares of Tesla stock or you're just you're an avid supporter of the company as a whole because of their initiatives for for, um, electrifying the grid and things like that, it's in large part because of what you guys created from the outset when Tesla was a fledgling company. And a lot of folks weren't sure about its viability long term. So your your analysis and your um, analogism to what um, DMC was in its early years, to seeing Tesla as that same iteration, like there's a lot of parallels between the two. As you noted earlier in the show, you sort of felt like I need to embrace this and support it because I can do for Tesla what the presence of a car in a film did for me. And what sort of propelled that? Because like I said, by the time you came into ownership of your first DeLorean, it was long after DMC as a concept had really been like a forethought for people. Like in the 80s, sure. But in the 90s, not so much. And so when you guys are building these platforms out where you're introducing a new audience to podcasts and web channels and everything else, you're you're organically building out this audience and it's a lot of work i can you so i do a 10 minute podcast on a weekly basis and i spend call me hours call me curious i spend hours doing what ends up being a nine ten minute show so i can only imagine like you mentioned the time from when elon said yes i'll do your podcast to when it actually recorded i can't even begin to imagine the amount of prep work the questions you wanted to, to create, uh, the format for the show, you know, getting everything set up to do the actual recording, editing it and post all of that stuff. Uh, especially when you're doing audio and video and having that ready for an audience, like all of that work all led to Tesla saying, we are where we are in large part because of what you guys did from our early years. And we would not be here had it not been for you because you gave an audience, uh, you know, the the desire to want to learn more and to basically go, well, we're not getting it from them because they're not doing traditional advertising. You guys are doing it for us. So as a reward, we're going to have this program and it just accrued enough referrals. So I'm, I've been a benefactor, too, of what was the um, the same wheels that you got, the zero G wheels. And I use that to convert into funds to refurbish my home here a bit. But every, every person who's benefited from referrals, even now, just getting supercharging miles is a big deal because I can't think of any other legacy automaker who is saying, if you get people to buy our product, we're going to reward you in some way, just as, as a courtesy, thank you for doing that. And so it's, it's even like now, like EV credits is great. Like, where else can you get that? And you guys are, are certainly the large foundation that led to that. You, Ben, Trevor, so many of you guys. Timing is everything, I guess. Mm-hmm, sure it's been a fun
0: journey um had a lot of fun um any closing thoughts guys because uh we've been doing this for an hour and 20 minutes now so <laughs> have we really yeah God, I, know, it's time flies. Like 20. I know i uh so
1: sleep i haven't heard from him and uh <laughs> <laughs> i
3: i got one i got i just gotta ask you ryan because it ever since you actually managed to do it and i listened to it i, I have to say Honest opinion, uh, your interview with Elon was my favorite he's ever done with anyone. And I think it's because you're the first serious car guy who sat down and asked him like really detailed product questions. I mean, everybody, you know, bits and pieces we've gotten from this interview, from this interview, but you really went after all the stuff that like, you know, the, the nutcases like us wanted to hear. So I was so, so appreciative of that interview. But I was curious, like, take us through the mindset, I mean, of coming into that interview, like how daunting a prospect was it, you know, cause we've all been like, Oh wow, wouldn't it be cool if we'd ever did our show? But I mean, the reality of actually sitting down with the man must be pretty daunting.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I do interviews. I interview video game developers all the time, uh, as part of my day job and I love doing it. I, it's one of my favorite aspects of my job. I love kind of getting to the human stories of these people behind these games. And, um, and so, uh, I don't really get nervous before interviews, but with Elon I did because I just wasn't quite sure what to expect. I mean, I'd, you know, seen a million of his interviews and, but I'd also been, I'd been respectfully warned that if he's, if he's like crazy busy, he might just like, or if something comes up, Mm
2: -hmm. he might
1: cut it off after 20 minutes and be like, I gotta go. Uh, If he You know, if he's just come out of a meeting where he's gotten some kind of bad news about something that might not bode well for the interview. So I just kind of wasn't sure. And also, I I very much assumed and and was proven. I knew he didn't know who I was. So I don't know if, you know, is he even going to, you know, really be checked into this? Because and again, I don't say that disrespectfully, like I'm I'm nothing. like I'm I'm not the New York Times sitting down. With Elon Musk, I'm not Motor Trend sitting down with Elon Musk. I'm I'm a little grain of sand on on the automotive world beach. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm nothing. So uh, I knew that like okay, well, you know, I, but I knew I'd be ready. Like because I've interviewed enough people, I knew I'd be ready. I had. I mean, I had a, probably a couple pages worth of questions I didn't use. I mean, I was, mm. I knew I had sort of like a 30 minute version prepared. I had like a 60 minute interview version prepared. I had, I had a million. I, I basically tried to just think through every scenario possible. I knew the first question was going to be critical to try and like break the ice with this guy and get, get off on the right foot. I wanted to not you know, make sure I was not going to ask things that he's been asked a million times before. And so, but yeah, to your point, I mean, I, I appreciate the kind words cause what I, what I will say about my, my interview that I hope doesn't come off as egotistical, but I, I do feel like I was probably the most Tesla knowledgeable person that had ever, ever interviewed him up to that yes. point.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent.
1: I knew like I, It's, you know, I've been following this stuff religiously since 2009 when I drove the Roadster and went down the rabbit hole. So I knew everything. And there was a moment very early. In fact, it was during while he was answering my first question. So my first question to him was because I wanted to try to get into his mindset and, and get into a place that he had never talked about before. So I said my first question to him was when did you know with the Model S, when did you know you had something special? Was it like on paper, you knew like, this is gonna revolutionize everything? Was it, you know, the first time you drove a prototype? Was it not till it comes out and hits the streets? I kind of wanted to get him thinking, like if not a yes or no question, like Mm -hmm. what is he gonna say to this?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he started, I was a little nervous, I was a little worried at first because I thought that was a good opening question but he started answering it by just kind of going through the history of the Model S, which he's talked yeah, about. I remember before.
0: that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it, there was a point during the answer where he says, well, we wanted to, we wanted to make sure we had a car, you know, that was safe, that could seat up to seven and that would get, you know, t- at least 250 miles of range. And we ended up with like 200 and I, and I just, if you listen to the interview, you hear me go, 265 because that, that was the range of the original 85 kilowatt hour model S. And that's just Tesla knowledge that I had seared into my brain because I know mm-hmm. all this. I just, yeah. I, you know, I soak in all this stuff every day and what, you know, what you can't see in a podcast, I'm not even sure you would have seen it had we filmed it, but he, you know, I say that and he like shoots, he like his eyes come up to meet me he just shoots me this look of like, oh, you actually, you really know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that happened at one other point during the interview as well. But, and that's why if you listen to the whole interview, as I know you have, but like he really, it like the interview gets better as it goes because I think oh, yeah. it's he gets more comfortable with me and yeah. he gets like, okay, this guy knows his stuff like he knows all about these cars and and uh because w- what i don't know if i've ever said i'm sure i've said it publicly but i was actually only promised 30 minutes yeah, I remember by PR, which mm-hmm. i i did ask for an hour because that's on my develop game developer interviews for ign i do an hour because for me it's like you need the time to just settle in and dig in with somebody mm-hmm. so i really wanted an hour with elon i mean of course who doesn't but they said, well, we can we can promise you 30 minutes and maybe, you know, if he feels like it, he might give you another few on top of that. Um, so uh, I was prepared for 30 minutes, but we just, you know, we're getting into it and we're getting rolling. And uh, at at one point, uh, I, I kind of I like glance. just literally move my eyes over to check on the PR woman. She's on her keyboard she's on her laptop so I'm like okay cool I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going here because <laughs> you know I can't look at my watch during an Elon interview that that would not be as <laughs>
0: hard oh, no, so no, no.
1: but in my you know the mental clocks running in my head and it finally gets to the point where in my head I'm like we've been going for a while like I've gotten a lot of questions out and and finally it, I, I I do the sideways glance again. And I see her give me the wrap it up sign, yeah. and so, and then, but again, I hadn't looked at my watch. This is all just mental, mental clock watching, mental clock timekeeping, and and I came to like when he when we were finally done, it was like, oh, I got my hour, and mm-hmm. so the fact that I was promised thirty minutes, and he chose to hang in, and do an hour, tells me that I must have been doing something right. He must have enjoyed the conversation on some level. Otherwise he would have, that would have just, somebody would have stopped it, whether it would have been Elon yeah. or, or PR. So I, I, and I did walk out feeling like, well, I, I felt like I didn't leave anything on the table. Like I didn't have any regrets. Like, Oh, I wish I'd asked that. Or, I mean, did I have more things I wanted to ask? Sure. But I didn't walk out going like, I didn't walk out with any regrets, but I will say, you know, I, I was in such a fog after <laughs> a surreal real fog where, i truly that, and honestly, that's what i wanted to know yeah exactly I, I didn't know if it was any good or not i was like okay did the audio work
0: that out that was okay
1: but it really wasn't until it got out into the public and i started getting feedback where i was like okay i think i did pretty good on this and no you um, did great man oh thank you and, and it's yeah I, awesome. it's it i hope i get to interview elon again someday i mean it's that i would be incredibly grateful I mean I've got <laughs> episode 300s coming up that'd yep. be great, but uh-huh. I know there's COVID and all this but um, if the, if I never get the chance again, I hope I do, but if I never get the chance again, I can say, hey, I got an opportunity and I feel I feel like I knocked it out of the park. I feel like I did a great job. That was
0: an awesome interview. The other one I yeah. really liked too is when the you, uh, you did with Franz. that yeah, was a different animal altogether.
1: He was fun. So Franz, I was when I was researching him before that interview, uh that one, I, I learned that Franz doesn't really do interviews. No. And I don't and I'm not trying to like brag by saying that. I just I think he probably he must not really enjoy it all that much because surely he must be asked by the the motor trends and the what have you's of the world, but he must just not be really looking for that uh to be interviewed the way that elon's happy to be out there talking about the company and stuff but so i I mean i'm very convinced that the only reason that that he or tesla said yes to the franz interview was because of the elon interview which had been a few months prior to that and so yeah franz was very generous um ironically i got less time with franz than i did with elon (laughs) we went for about 35 40 minutes i could have I could have kept going with him for a while. Um, and I would love the opportunity to sit down with him again, too, because uh, that was, it was three weeks before the Cybertruck unveil is when I sat mm. down
0: with him. Yeah, I remember that because you asked him.
1: Like probably 50 feet behind me uh-huh. on the other side of the wall. Yep. And, uh, and you know, he, but of course they were, He's so they tight-lipped. were tight on that. Yeah. Uh, understandably, why would, you know, you're not going to tell some. Idiot like me with a little podcast about the about the thing.
0: Oh, to be a fly so, on the wall in the design studio, huh? Yeah, but
1: uh, but so yeah, I mean, I I would love to do another another forty minutes with him just on the Cybertruck and just I, like please walk me through this. Exactly, like like you're saying, like I want to know all about how my, how this came to be. But my, yeah, Franz is a real real very kind to me too, very generous with his time. He's
0: a really neat guy. He's very approachable. I mean, I've ran into him not at the Cybertruck event, but at the Model Y event. Uh, really nice. I mean, he just mills around, talks. I mean, Elon just, I mean, he's got handlers and stuff, but not Franz. He'll walk around. And uh, my only one interaction with him, he was standing over by, well, the Roadster. And uh, I guess he got done talking to somebody. And I only had one question. I know you had a question for him. uh, And I know you asked Elon about the color. But I I asked him, I said, where's the charge port on the Roadster? And he just smiled. He looked at me, says, we're working on it. So that's, I mean, he's tight-lipped, right? So <laughs> I could have had yeah, more questions, but.
1: You can't hide it in the taillight as it's currently designed because they got that, like, badass sort of negative this, space with the carbon fin and then the whole, that whole negative so space. So
2: many unanswered questions thing. about the I love the, the
1: taillight design on that thing so much. I know, it's well, I think I
2: think also what's interesting in, in Ryan's conversation uh, and the podcast that I've heard is journalists typically don't ask questions that they don't already know the answers to. So they would know when the subject of the interview is actually giving them BS or not. And one of the difficult things to do with these two individuals is they're very tight-lipped about a lot of things that are not yet publicly known for NDAs and other things. Like generally having worked for Tesla, you sign an NDA for everything. Like if there's any inside stuff that Elon sends in an email that's going company-wide, you really cannot say anything for fear of the ramifications that stem from that. So when you have literally the two power brokers of that company who know all the ins and outs of every project, both in existence and yet to even be imagined. And you're trying to probe deep into those minds of theirs to say, Hey, how did you come up with this concept or would like it's you good, whatever you do get from them because either they're eager to share it or it's something that's just now, you know, in that public sphere, you get it, but that's the challenge to of during those interviews. Like Joe Rogan's done three interviews and each one's different from the next because it's just a casual conversation and yeah. most oftentimes it has nothing to do with his daily experience. So he's just going to share his thoughts and his musings on whatever, which most of Joe's interviews are anyway. But when you have, when you have as Ryan's being so humble about himself, um, this lonely podcaster that he is uh, to do these interviews, it, it you know, it's, it's, you have a laundry list of things you want to talk about because you are just, you're in that sphere as a public person seeing this guy and you're like, I have so many questions for him
0: Legitimately
1: curious about this stuff.
2: Right. And so when you're trying to take that, I'm I'm imagining it. It's like you said, you had pages of questions you didn't even get to, but even then you don't know if Elon's going to answer something in seven words or 700. And so you may have a great question that lets him go, Oh, I'm going to expand upon this greatly. And it just turns into this ever rolling barrel going down a hill. And you just don't know when it's going to stop it. You're just there admiring it because like, Oh my God. I'm learning so much from this, and and yeah. So it's it's like I said, you're as a journalist, you know generally what the answers are before you ask them. But for these guys, like that's a hard thing to do because you really don't know. Well, the thing the thing that I lo- I really admire about Elon, like you can love
1: or hate Elon, but mm-hmm. as someone who's interviewed him and and watched, and listened to every interview he's done, I do appreciate that Elon is honest in interviews. He does not like lie or give PR spin, which in like my game development world and on IGN, uh, de- the, the message is usually really controlled and you're, you're probably not going to get more than what the PR person has authorized them to say about the project. But with Elon, he, he is honest. I mean, what if you, it, it's, it's a distant memory now. Sorry, as one of my lights goes out, cause we've been going for so long here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I'm having a great time. But, um, what what made my name or the podcast name was everywhere It like that. My interview got picked up at like Fox Business, CNN, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just a mil because he said like a. I did ask him about the truck, the then pickup truck, the Tesla pickup truck. And that was when he f- he first publicly said it's going to be under 50,000. And have the you know, be have the the, the utility of an F one fifty and the performance of a Porsche nine eleven. And that got picked up everywhere because oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, and again, in a in a more media controlled environment, uh that you know that but Elon's just super honest because most most CEOs would have just been like, Yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. But to be fair, he I did try to ask about the roadster. He did shut that down, uh, which I think is <laughs> probably because they just weren't really working on the car at that point in time Mm -hmm. as they're now clearly working on that car again. But yeah, like he, he is honest, which that's what makes like, I can ask as many, I could ask like the 50 best questions I could think of, but if he doesn't answer any of them, the interview's horrible. Right. And, but the fact, the fact that he is an honest guy in these interviews make means that if you ask the right questions, you can get some good stuff and you can get a really interesting conversation out of that.
0: Yeah. That was a really great one. The other times you can get pretty good information sometimes is during the earnings calls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but usually not from the usual analysts. It's, you know, the YouTubers and, and, and the retail mm-hmm. investors. Those are the yeah. ones that have the really good oh, yeah. um, questions. The that know the company best. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, we've been going for quite some time here, but I thought we'd do a little bit of a closer. Um, uh, Ian and I had a little conversation earlier today. Um, I understand you do a pretty good impression of uh, Butthead.
1: <laughs> okay. Not, I mean, not really. It's I mean, you did it on your
0: podcast. That was
1: good. Yeah, he's it's tough too to get into that mode. It's, you just kind of, uh, what are you talking about, Trevor? <laughs>
0: that that point <boy> right?
1: <laughs> shut up, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> That point, ain't right. But but then you go to Hank Hill. That's right. You know I what? do that one too. Propane or propane accessories?
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Not bad. That's close. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. That that boy ain't right. That boy ain't right, Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes two of us who can do Hank Hill. Ian thought I was the only one. (laughs) I
1: don't think Mike Judge is going to be calling either one of us to fill in.
0: I missed that show, Beavis and Butthead. I don't know why, but it's, it's coming just... coming back. Is it uh, again yeah. for the second
1: time? Oh, yeah, Comedy man. Central. This time is is bringing it back with Mike Judge. Now, it, it, you may remember it. It rebooted. It came back as Mike Judges Beavis and Butthead on MTV. Like, might have been like ten years ago by now. And I don't know about if you watch it. I I actually thought it wasn't very good. I was like, something about no, it's, not it. it's not so, the same. It's So original
0: I, series are good. I like. Yeah,
1: those. I'll be it's curious good. to see it. To see this next iteration of it, but even the the only time I laughed during all the Super Bowl commercials, I don't know if you guys in Canada get the same commercials that we get.
0: Um, not always, no. Ads, no.
1: But there was an no. ad for there were actually several ads that um, Paramount Plus, the oh yeah, CBS All Access uh, subscription, you know, streaming service is like rebranding as Paramount Plus, and the the theme of it is it's it's a it's all these paramount universe characters going up mm-hmm. the paramount mountain mm-hmm. uh, and then you know whatever and and, and there's <laughs> one point where in one of them because you see beavis and butthead are just there in a few of the in a few of the little scenes in a few of the the commercials and at one point it's uh somebody somebody i forget what the line is it says the word crack and then they just pan over to to butthead going oh, he said crack that was the hardest i laughed watching, watching all the super bowl commercials you know, many of which are supposed to be funny and it's, I, I, I guess i'm just the right age where beavis and butthead just still make me laugh
0: yeah i love those guys i'll have to look it up on youtube and see if we can see those commercials yeah you're right we yeah. don't we don't always get the same commercials <laughs> Well, Ryan, it was an absolute blast. I want to say thank you for coming on the show. We've been trying to do this for so long, but, you know, schedules as the way it is. But my gosh, we have so much fun. Usually at the Tesla events. Otherwise, I mean, we live so far apart, we don't, I mean, but we talk on a regular basis. So I want to say thank you for joining us on the show. Hopefully uh, our viewers and our listeners out there enjoyed it. Uh, We'll have to have you on again, maybe when we get some more Cybertruck information or maybe some Roadster and stuff, and we can can shoot the breeze about that. Um, Since you're a guest, you get to go first. You can plug whatever you want
1: oh great well if uh if anybody's looking for to go further down the Tesla rabbit hole each week I do ride the lightning the Tesla unofficial podcast new episodes post every Sunday at 9 a.m Eastern 6 a.m Pacific it's kind of structured on purpose like a radio show you know you heard me talk about my affinity for radio earlier so there are there are callers people send me recorded calls there's a call-in segment there's the news block where I give you know I've got my I've got all my, whatever I want to say of, of the wisdom I've gleaned from following Tesla since 2009 and, uh, going over all the big stories of the week. And I, you know, I, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's, you know, it's not my day job. I just love doing it. It's been a passion project of mine for over five years now. So I'm on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple or Google or, uh, Stitcher, you know tune in you can find it in your Tesla yep. uh, either on tune in or Spotify if you've got the Spotify premium in your car and then I mean I, I do everything I'm not on video though I don't do I'm on YouTube it, but just as the audio. I don't have this uh, this is, this is the, the the Tesla owners online show is the only place you get to see my face <laughs> uh, probably for the best but, uh, but yeah if you just like listening to podcasts on YouTube, you could search out Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you should find me. Easy. you got to add Tesla or else it'll be all Metallica videos. <laughs> uh,
0: make sure you follow him on uh, Twitter as well. It's DMC underscore Ryan. Um, before I give up to the other two guys, um, I think all of us want to say and give uh, you and uh, Daisy all our best wishes. I know that she's, uh, she's had some head health things, but uh, as you said that she's doing a little bit better today. So knock on wood, everything's going to work out.
1: Appreciate it.
0: No problem. Ian, how about you? What do you want to plug before we uh, kick the can for tonight? Well, the usual stuff. Um, if you have any
3: questions about wheels, tires, or the odd technical thing that I can answer about Tesla, you're welcome to direct message me or just throw it out there publicly on Twitter. It's at Ian Pavelko is the handle. You can also find me um, at the Tesla Owners Online Forum under the uh, handle Mad Hungarian. Be sure to tag me. Use the username with the at Mad Hungarian, so that way I'll wake up. Like do it Beetlejuice. three times. Yes, do it three times, because I'm sometimes lazy with the forum. <laughs> and uh but i'll get to you I, I i love answering the questions i love helping people out so that uh, that's always a pleasure to do and then finally if you're looking for something in the way of tesla wear i've got my little pet project to support ev organizations with the evolve wear line i'm wearing one of them tonight here awesome so shirt. that you can find at uh teespring which is now called just spring.com yeah they changed
0: your name
3: yeah they did a little name change on so it's spring.com and just look up the mad hungarian evolve wear store there
0: Excellent. And last but not least, our friend Eric Camacho, who's running his podcast and who's usually the guy who comes up with all the great titles for this show. But tonight's just called Ryan McCaffrey.
2: It is. Uh, So thank you so much. Uh, So first and foremost, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice in the four box that we got, or quad box, as I say on TV, uh, if you start in Ian's box and kind of go clockwise, you'll see that uh, the amount of objects behind us. um, I'm a minimalist by nature. So for I have a treadmill, and then you go to Trevor, who's got, like, a, a canoe. And then you've got Ryan who's got his collection of games and awesome technology. And then you have all the books that Ian has. I will tell you that, uh, true secret, Ian's never read them. But that's okay. I, I'm not – I don't want to – I'm sorry. I'm just going to put it there. They're thing. not Ryan. supposed to know that. <laughs> I'm so very Sorry. Okay. Uh, First and foremost, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, The handle is ECFIX. It's E-C-F-I-X. You can find Ryan on Twitter, by the way, at DMC underscore Ryan, DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, Give him a good shout. And uh, I have a podcast, as was mentioned earlier. It's called the Call Me Curious Podcast. I created this uh, podcast last year during the pandemic. Uh, To find out a year later, we're still in that pandemic. But it is a podcast designed to uh, sort of uh, reveal some weird things about our world. Uh, For example, uh, we mentioned Tesla on the show all the time. Did you know that Nikola Tesla did not like pearls? Why? We don't really know. But he once uh, had his secretary wear pearls to work, and he's like, "Uh, you got to go home. So uh, you learn about weird stuff like that, like Brad Pitt uh, played Achilles In the movie um, uh, Troy, Troy. which is based on Homer's Iliad, well, during the filming of the movie, he ended up hurting his Achilles. So... Again, this is what Call Me Curious is. It's a podcast about weird SHIT that we learn about uh, in our universe. It's a 10-minute show. Uh, weekly podcast comes out typically now on Wednesdays. I rolled back from going from daily because that was nuts uh, <laughs> to just this. So uh, get it wherever you get your podcast. It's available. It's created through Anchor. So it's a part of the Spotify network of podcasts, but you can get it on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. You'll find it. Again, Call Me Curious, like, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, But get the numbers out there. I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, If you have suggestions for the show, things you want me to talk about that are things that are really quirky, uh, again, just send it to me on Twitter. The handle is ECFix. And that's it for now. Excellent.
0: Yeah, please go, go check out his podcast. All right. Well, that leaves me. You can follow me on Twitter. The handle is TeslaOwnersOnline. Check out the forum, TeslaOwnersOnline.com, the friendliest place on the internet to talk about Tesla. And uh, that's it for this week. Thank you for everybody. And again, Ryan, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. He's 40.
2: 40, I'm 43. Who looks older?